welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher once again here with Tom. How are you, Tom? I am well, and you, sir? Not bad, not bad. Uh, just the two of us now. Uh, Floyd is taking another hiatus from podcasting there. <laughs> well, we did he run would, the Kurt Russell course. <laughs> yeah, we did. He he would show up every night if we asked him to, but it was uh, it was great having him on. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun getting his opinion on them and on all those sh- movies that we watched, especially the first time watch with uh, Escape from New York. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, it was great to have him. But yeah, it's just the two of us now. Heading into October, this this show, when it drops, will actually be the first show of October, uh, entering the kind of the Halloween season, assuming there's going to be a Halloween season. <laughs> If you heard anything from your part of town, what they're going to do, your state or your city. Here in Ohio, the governor said it's up to the local. It's up to the local uh, communities to decide what to do. So we're waiting on the township to let us know if we're having tr- trick-or-treat or not. Traditional trick-or-treat, yeah. Yes. Uh, um, honestly, I haven't seen or heard any news. Uh, I mean, everything could change right up until that moment, so... Uh, I do know my son is uh, waiting with bated breath to see. Uh, I'm like, come on, it's Halloween. Masks are built in. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wears a mask, that's right. Um, And then, yeah, I've been enjoying all the little uh, gadgets that people are coming up with for distance delivery of candy. Gonna ask you about that. Have you seen any of those? I've seen some really cool, like uh, like shoots, uh, the like six foot tubes. You drop the candy down, and it shoots down through the tube. Um, we've had the idea of like creating a sort of um, path, you know, from like the bottom of the driveway that people can follow with like six foot social Halloween themed social distance markers that you come up to like a table with pre wrapped pre wrapped uh, baggies. Yeah. Of, of, of handout we thought might be that we could just put it on a table and everyone grabs one on their way by or something or, or combine the two. Have them come up the path to the table and have like a shorter little shoot and hold out your bag. There you go. Drop it down. No, I think there's some room for some creativity here. Uh, uh, I actually see opportunity in this that uh, these things could catch on uh, pandemic or not because sure. some of these look pretty fun. Right. <laughs> And I will, I will give extra candy to the first person, and I know it'll happen. Who shows up as a coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. It'll be funnier watching them all walk down the street if there's more than one, and you yeah. just play the game of who's <laughs> infecting who. Well, if you think, if you make it the big ball, you're kind of creating a social distance guide there for yourself. It's actually a pretty good. Uh, costume when you think about it 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then I, what I want is the bonus round. Uh, I want the coronavirus followed by a buddy or a sibling chasing them down with, like, uh, with a syringe. <laughs> or, or, or dressed as a can of Lysol or something. Or a sure, so, something to Clorox kill the wipe. coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I definitely need to do a little research into what uh, the, uh, the Baltimore County region will be doing. Um, but I'm hoping uh, they have something. I'm going to guess there'll be something going on. It's definitely going to be a lot more low-keyed than it has been. We get, typically, on a, on a normal Halloween, we get hundreds of trick-or-treaters. I'm talking two to three hundred kids. Oh, well, you live in a ready-built neighborhood for such a thing. So. Yes, and we got some other neighborhoods nearby that the, the families that will bring them in because the neighborhoods aren't necessarily the kind of neighborhoods you want young kids going around house to house. So I don't mind. More the merrier. Bring them in. You know, I've seen them come in literally by the truckloads. And it's like, hey, that's cool. Everyone's having a good time. Oh, yeah. No, we have a neighborhood in the area. It's a, a, a townhouse neighborhood where it's hundreds of townhouses. And usually that entire neighborhood totally gets into it. And people truck in from everywhere because the surrounding areas are more countryside kind of stuff. So God, yeah. no, no regular subdivision, no no little uh, door-to-door kind of thing. It's too much distance. So people truck into this place to to go trick-or-treating, and I'll be curious what that does to the place because it is actually where we take uh, Jack. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to just think of different things to do because obviously this year has got to be a little low-key on the expenditures too. There won't be any new uh, Halloween decorations or anything showing up in the yard. So I have to make do with what we've got. And so I'm thinking about things that I have. And if, okay, if I want to do a pre-made bag of treats, well, we could just do that with like cling wrap. That's you know inexpensive. A couple bucks for a roll of cling wrap. You're pretty much the only thing I would need to buy is like a roll of caution tape to create the little path for people. You'd use like caution tape or something like that to uh, keep it in the theme of the, you know, the Halloween. Because I've got, I think, everything else I've got big cardboard posts that I can use for stands and it's all in my head whether sure. or not I can actually make it make it work I think uh this week I need to go out like a tape measure and kind of start mapping things out <laughs> in, in the driveway figure out where I want things to go you should look at uh speaking of the saran wrap I did see some interesting DIYs where you can literally wrap it around your body and then cut yourself out of it re-secure it and you can make yourself your own little spooky specter form um oh i see so you use yourself as like the as like a form so right you're, you're sculpting it around yourself you sculpt yeah. it you get it nice and tight you sculpt it you let it sit for a minute you cut it free and then you reform it at the point where everything is tight and then you put it you put it together as a body form and all nice. it costs you is a couple rolls of cling wrap Right. Yeah, I like that. That's funny. Oh, I could, I'd like to do something like that and like wrap it around to make body forms and then put it around one of the, like the uh, one of the skeletons or something. There you go. So you'd yeah. have like a sort of a translucent body with a skeleton po- you know, in, inside. That'd be like kind of cool. Like this weird translucent flesh. Especially with from lights the... behind. You put oh, some yeah. lights. Oh, Tom. God. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, uh, I, until I get into a home, uh, being in the apartment sucks for this yeah. kind of thing. So I'm dying to get out into a place where I can do some serious Halloween damage. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got some news stories to talk about here before we get into our movie today. First one is another, unfortunately, a, a famous star, a, a star that I absolutely adore. I'm so sorry to see her go. Dame Diana Rigg has passed away at the age of 82. Yes. She was diagnosed with cancer back in March um, and just recently passed away. She's uh, most recently seen in Game of Thrones. Uh, yes. O- Olena? Olena? How do you just character's name? O-L-E-N-N-A? Didn't watch the show, so I don't know. No, uh, but I did, and uh, her character, however you say it, because I, I, I've forgotten, it's been a while. Elena Tyrell is wow, I'm going to yes, go for Yes, she's one of the Tyrells. Uh, she, her character was amazing in that. She did such a good job. Cause, uh, that is what I have heard. Yeah, because she, she played the, uh, she seemed to be above it all, but yet one of the most uh, scheming. <laughs> Of the folks right up until her end. Nice. I could see her definitely being able to do a role like that with glee. <laughs> a lot of other people may know her from uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. She's the one Bond girl that actually got Mr. Bond to marry her. <laughs> I probably know her best because I watched the old 1960s The Avengers as uh, Mrs. Peel. Yes. I watched like two or three episodes uh, that night. I heard that she passed away. <laughs> kind of, oh, yeah. I picked out a few good episodes and, and watched. Um, yeah, she's awesome. And, oh, another film. I don't know if anyone else has seen this. The Assassination Bureau is a fun movie that she stars in. That sounds familiar. I want to say you and I watched that once years ago. I don't know how we found it. I think maybe it was just clicking around and it happened to be on TV or something like that. It's got Oliver Reed and 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 Diana Rigg are the stars. And this would be 1969? I believe that sounds about right, yeah. Could be. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a ways back, but uh, um, now, now you've got me. Uh, I'm going to have to dig that up. Yeah, I've been thinking <laughs> about watching that one again, too. Uh, it's been a while. I had it on VHS for the longest time, and I think I... I may have digitized it so I could watch it. <laughs> uh, not dead yet, but the uh, the news is out that it will be coming to an end. So the CW Supergirl. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing this to my attention because I missed this news story. You told me about it just as we sat down. You're like, well, and obviously we're going to talk about that. I'm like, what a <laughs> what about it? <laughs> well, you can't catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're going to cancel Supergirl. Her next season will be the last season. Honestly, I'm not crying about this. I've kind of... I'm, I'm at the point watching that show because I've always watched that show. Sure. And my wife likes to watch that show, so that's one of the few shows that we'll watch together. That's about the only reason I, I think are still I'm still watching it. It's lost a lot. In recent years, it feels a little too well. It's a CW show, right? As uh, I've said to more than a few folks, including you uh, earlier, uh, um, I find that the CW has persistently become wash, rinse, repeat. Um, mm. It doesn't matter the series; uh, 
Each one starts with a new baddie. Various dramas happen. They defeat the baddie, go into next season and do it all over again. The issue I had with the Supergirl is it seemed less and less about the baddie. Right. And more and more about everybody's little internal turmoil and problems. And it's like, I get that you want to be a little dramatic and all this, but you're supposed to be a superhero show. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I'm, I'm not tuning in for the soap opera aspect of it. I want superheroes and supervillains fighting each other. I don't think CW can resist itself, though. (laughs) I really enjoyed that show when it was on CBS. When it moved to the CW, it definitely lost a little something. It it, it got a little more soap opery while it was on CBS. It was really all about the... uh, It it was like the old school superhero shows. Everything was about the spectacle of uh, showing off the powers and, uh, and... marching that storyline forward, whatever it was at the time. The thing that annoys me most about Supergirl is that she never does anything slow. I always think one of the coolest things when when a superhero comes in, flies in or flies away or something like that, it's when they do that like graceful sort of slow landing or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's a cheat to get away from the special effects and limit the the wire work and everything that you need your actors to do. But they just do like the quick blur and they're there and then they're gone. You can make uh, appearance to be anything from, oh, wow, that's really cool to, ooh, that's menacing. And they don't do that at all. And it's it's really annoying to me. It it bugs me. I don't know why. That just really annoys me. It's kind of like, ah, can't can't she just, just... glide away <laughs> she have to zoom away at supersonic speed every time even if it's just to go okay i'm going home now bye well no that emergency was one of the things that always worked best in like the uh christopher reeve supermans uh that that moment when he he's going to to depart and if he's not after somebody he just lightly touches off and, right. and begins to drift away and then picks up speed when he's out of sight. Um, yeah. And yeah, I missed that. Yeah, because, I mean, that's actually super cool because it's got control. It's got presence in how it does it. Uh, it there's effect there. But, yeah, you're you're right on the money. Uh, they, they do the super fast one because it's cheaper. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't like that effect. I don't like that effect in science fiction either. That's something, an issue I have with all, like, the modern Star Trek films and TV shows now, is a ship comes out of warp and then comes to a dead stop. Right. Yeah, I don't care what kind of inertial dampeners you have. Everyone <laughs> is now in that forward <laughs> bulkhead. <laughs> Everyone is paced against the, yeah. the wall. There's just... There's a blood stain in 10 forward all against the window. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They do it in all the series. They do it in Discovery. They do it it in all of them now. You come out of warp and... It's like, what the hell was that? Where'd that come from? I don't know why they started doing that because it wasn't in Next Gen. They never did that. It wasn't in any of the films. They never did that. And again, you're saving yourself some money and effects. If you can do it in a second, then you don't have to 
figure out how to slow the frame rate or <laughs> yeah but you miss see I, I miss all those great you know the the dropping out of warp and the glide into orbit uh, mm-hmm. you, you 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 miss out on all those really great beauty shots and and like you see yeah, like you said it's probably cheaper because you don't have to well i was gonna gonna say you don't have to shoot the model but now there's no models but you don't have to render those effects anymore i gave credit to uh like when battlestar galactica did it um at least the way their technology worked uh they, there was no ramp up to speed they just jumped right so yeah. you were there and now you're somewhere else <laughs> yeah so but see there you go i don't have a problem with that whether it's a superhero or a spaceship if your technology is that you just blink out of existence and then blink back in, that's fine because that's right. the technology. But if you're going to say, well, I'm flying and now I'm coming to a stop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and besides it's so hard on the environment coming in that hot. <laughs> like you'd think Supergirl could leave some pavement or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what I wonder about too. She always comes in for a landing. Is like, hey, does does like, there's there a Justice League uh, repavement fund for all the de- holes and potholes that they they leave? I, I I've seen like memes or even sometimes not memes. Uh, I believe it's made it into the comics and stuff before where. Um, where that some people point out that they keep Batman around to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> To cover the collateral. <laughs> well, that's all the news I had. I don't think I had anything else. Did you any? You came. You were the one that came with the Supergirl. Did you have anything else besides that? No, but I think we should use this moment to segue into our little adventure before uh, last night. Before we get into uh, the movie of the evening. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, because there is a little bit of a joining thread. A little bit. <laughs> Very little bit, but yeah. We got a chance. We got a uh, an advanced screener of a film that was actually released in New Zealand in 2018, but it is making its North American debut uh, September 29th. So by the time you everybody hears this, it'll be out on DVD, Blu-ray, and on streaming services here. A film called Alien Addiction. Race starts now. We can do whatever we want. We are in the middle of nowhere. If you're a banana, I find you appealing. Por amor de Dios. Footage has emerged of the large fireball that lit up the sky at 3.30 today in the Waikato region. Why do you have these cans on the door? They're out there. Who's out there? Aliens. Rico. Hi. There it is. What do the aliens want? They're here for a good time, man. They're just here to have fun. Oh, yeah. You're like a Blue James Brown. Us humans have many unanswered questions. I, Peter McIntosh, have proven once and for all that we are not alone. Why is there a toilet seat on Gugus' head? 
Hey boys, you want to finish off with some dessert? Coming out of New Zealand, uh, written and directed by Shea Sterling. Um, stars, I, you know, Jimmy Jackson, Thomas Sainsburg, Jojo Waka. Obviously not names I'm familiar with <laughs> because I'm not, I don't have the finger on the pulse of the uh, New Zealand uh, film industry. Yeah. Alien Addiction is a comedy sci-fi little more heavier on the comedy than yes. the sci-fi <laughs> very brief on the sci-fi <laughs> i almost feel guilty how much fun i had watching this film <laughs> i was watching it and the whole time i'm thinking god this is so stupid but i was laughing through <laughs> most of it too <laughs> yeah i mean i was thoroughly amused by the uh, sheer ridiculousness of, uh, of the approach to this particular piece. Yeah. But the entire time, I, I, I'm thoroughly amazed at the quality of this film. Like, the cinematography, the, the shots, the... This had the... The like the way the story was and all this, this could easily be a low budget nothing film, and yet this thing looked beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it had a very indie film quality about it. Yeah, when you get down to the um, the set pieces, when you get down to like the aliens themselves, they look ridiculous, but they don't look cheap. Right, like they they. They thought out what they wanted it to look like and stuck to it. it it's for comedic effect. The aliens are entirely goofy. Mm -hmm. um, but that was what they were going for. And at no point do you even necessarily believe you're looking at somebody in a rubber suit. Although there was one serious moment. There, there, there was a moment where um, uh, our, our lead... <laughs> <laughs> that is become that has become the buddy of the two aliens in question in the film. When he touches one of their faces, uh, the face kind of caves in a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, you don't so, know how you don't know how alien physi physiology works. Very true, <laughs> very true. But that was the one moment where I'm like, okay, that's a mask. <laughs> but it was a very good mask. <laughs> right, it was still good. Yeah, the plot. I'm not going to give really much away. I'll just tell you that aliens come to Earth and their goal is to, they're just here to kind of party. They are <laughs> they looking to find, they're looking to find something else to smoke. <laughs> it's like if, if Cheech and Chong were aliens, that's kind of <laughs> Yep. That, that's an accurate uh, <laughs> depiction of what, what, what you, you're getting yourself into right down to them testing what, what will give their their best high? And I, I'll just say that they find some good shit, and I'll leave you to discover the film to find out exactly what it is I mean by that. Absolutely. I've seen a couple people uh, compare this type of film to some of uh, Peter Jackson's early works, like Dead Alive. Farcical take on like zombie films that he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I definitely could kind of see a little bit of that in this, I'm, I'm sure a little bit of that, of that comparison is just because New Zealand, uh, but, sure. <laughs> but on the other side of that coin, I guess these guys themselves may have indeed been influenced by films like that. Uh, 
being local films. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the film community in New Zealand can't be enormous. So, right. Yeah. I wish I knew a little bit more about this film, whether it was, I mean, is this like a studio film? Was this a New Zealand, Hollywood, whatever their equivalent is picture, or was this just a really good independent or, I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I have no idea. I haven't seen. It was impressive how much it made me giggle. I really wasn't expecting to laugh as much as I did through this. I thought this was going to be a pretty... Stupid. Uh, yeah, just stupid and, and go, oh, I can't believe I, I, I'm i just not even going to tell anyone I watched that film. <laughs> and, and I ended up going like, oh, this is a lot of fun. You guys need to watch this film. I'm not going to take anything away. It is a stupid film. Yeah, it but, is. It's, it's irrelevant. It, irrelevant. It's stupid. But you're laughing the whole time. Because so, some of it out of sheer disbelief that this made it onto film. <laughs> <laughs> but but at no point do you not believe these people are in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were really good. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a very much a stoner film. Uh, yeah, a bit, yeah. Through, through and through, um, right down to... There's whatever the aliens are doing, and then there's your cast of buddies that are in there who are doing the same thing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's just uh, one playing off the other, but it, it, it was it was fun. It was, yep, it was I, fun. Yeah. So uh, thank you, October Coast, for providing that screening link for us because we really appreciate it. I was just looking on IMDb. It actually gets an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> impressive to me. I think it, all of New Zealand voted. <laughs> th this must be their version of the summer blockbuster comedy. <laughs> I don't know why it took two years to make it to North America. That just seemed like something that would have found its way at least on home video or yeah. on, you know, Amazon prime streaming service or something just sort of snuck on there. But you, well, and in this era of anybody scraping for content to get on a streaming service, uh, you'd have think it had shown up at least in the past six months or so. I think that might be a big reason why it's even showing up at all, maybe, now. I mean, if it hadn't shown up in two years, why now? Well, yeah, that's well, it, exactly, because there isn't all that much else right now. So, so we'll take anybody's content. <laughs> yeah. But no, it actually kind of begs uh, maybe uh, looking a little further into the New Zealand uh, film world. I, I mean, yeah, it, 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 you will... You will not this won't be for everybody. No, um, fair but warning. But I hope anybody that watches it can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and fair warning: the accents are a little thick at times. That there, there was there was times that I was kind of wishing this thing had subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I checked key. for closed captioning, and none were available. <laughs> yeah, the kiwi comes out pretty thick. Yes, uh, wasn't so bad that you couldn't at least get the gist of what they were trying to what they were saying even if you didn't know exactly you know have the, the you didn't if you didn't have the exact translation you got the you got the idea yeah i mean it's not the queen's english <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway uh look for it alien addiction check it yeah. out i mean it's it's an hour and a half so 
it's not a, it's not a long and if, and if you find it on a streaming service you've already got it. if you've already got Netflix if it shows up on Prime or something like that if it ends up costing you nothing to watch it absolutely worth it <laughs> yeah definitely um, and, and and fair warning to anyone that view, views it if it if you're put off in the first twenty minutes and you don't but you're hoping for something to change it's not gonna so, <laughs> so if you're watching for free, go ahead and bow out at that moment. <laughs> it's <Right>. fine. <laughs> or, or if you've already you've already committed, just go ahead and finish it out. You, Absolutely, you might I'm a find, bit, I, I think you're going to laugh at some point. I, I am always committed to a film. Uh, I can hate it from the get go, but if I started it, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> I try to be that way. There are a few films that I have that I have bowed out on, or I've or I've said. Well, I'll finish it tomorrow. <laughs> in some, in some cases, tomorrow comes. has never come. <laughs> Real quick, while we're on the subject of kind of these uh, films to, to fill the void, I shared a trailer that I saw for a film called Monster Force Zero. Hmm. I, I shared this trailer on uh, Twitter. I, I might have shared. I might. I may have shared it on the Facebook group. Hmm. But it's about a, um, this one's coming out of Wild Eye Releasing. It says, after their comic book dreams are crushed, a group of sci-fi cosplayers are granted superpowers and are transported in the multiverse to, to do battle and, you know, save the day, whatever. It's one of those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. I posted, I was like, well, it might be a fun time. It's definitely for the young adult crowd. I definitely sure. got that feeling. Says, but it kind of looks like the sort of thing your grandma buys for your birthday because you, she heard you like superheroes. <laughs> I didn't tag anybody. I didn't hashtag anybody or anything on Twitter. But the Monster Force Zero Twitter page <laughs> apparently found my post, and they replied, "God bless that woman." <laughs> <laughs> nice. I I I just thought that was funny. <laughs> mm, yeah, quite. <laughs> It did look like one of those films that should it pop up in like on Prime for free. Sure. I, and I was looking for something to watch. I'd go, eh, what the heck? <laughs> All right. Well, this segment actually went a lot longer than I was expecting it to. So we should probably go ahead and take a break here. And when we get back, we will discuss 1993's Fire in the Sky. Ahoy! My name is Adam. And I'm Nick. And this is the Bottom of the Stream podcast. A never-ending quest to find hidden movie gems on Netflix. (laughs) Uh, Every week we watch a random movie that we find on the stream, and we talk about it for about an hour. Uh, Yep, as well as that, we round up the news of the week, and uh, we usually mention what we've been watching at the top of the stream. Yeah, so if you're into Netflix and you enjoy watching stuff on there, give us a listen. Join us aboard our podcast boat as we navigate the perilous water. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Is your name Gregory Thomas Hayes? Yes. Did you see an object hovering above the clearing? Yes. 
was it saucer-shaped? Sort of. Did you see Travis Walton approach the object on foot? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Did you personally dislike Travis Walton? And what kind of question is that? You or any of your crew murder Travis Walton? Absolutely not. What did it look like? It looked like, uh, like a fire. You expect me to believe that a flying saucer came down and Took your friend away. Why the heck aren't you speaking up for us? Why let this man talk to us like this? They took him. In 1975, a six-man logging team went into the woods of the White Mountains. After a long day, they headed home late at night. In the darkness, a mysterious light attracts their attention. They discover a large, mysterious craft hovering over a clearing. One of the men, Travis Walton, leaves the truck to investigate. Investigate, I use in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> he is struck by a bright light, and the mysterious force throws him to the ground. The others, thinking he must be dead, flee in terror. Travis's best friend in the group, Mike, goes back for Travis, but finds no sign of him or the mysterious object. The five remaining men tell the tale, but are met with everything from skepticism to outright denial. For five days, they endure questioning from the authorities, including a federal investigator, and find themselves shunned by the whole town as they are accused of the possible murder of Travis. But it isn't until Travis suddenly reappears that the real questions start. Where was he and what happened to him? This film is based on the real-life accounts of Travis Walton and his witnesses. Stars D.B. Sweeney as Travis Walton, Robert Patrick as Mike, and James Garner as Lieutenant Frank Waters. To go a little bit further on that, I should say the film was based on the book The Walton Experience, which was then later retitled Fire in the Sky to tie in with the movie version. Mm-hmm. Travis Walton and his uh, his friends claim he was abducted by aliens. Uh, they Everything about this movie is sort of based on the book except for the actual uh, abduction moment, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> but or what happened? What supposedly happened on board ship is about the only thing that is uh, truly fabricated for the film. Now you brought this one to the table. You wanted to rewatch this one. I have not seen this probably since it first came to home video sometime in the mid to late nineties. Is that what, I I want to say I actually saw this in a theater. Uh, Did you? And- yeah, and then I owned a copy. I owned a VHS copy of this. I actually enjoy this film rather quite a bit. Hmm. So, okay. I'm going to instantly pick on one of the things that I always find just a little extra funny because Henry Thomas hadn't done a whole lot <laughs> since E.T., so the fact right. that his the next movie that I distinctly recall he's in is also an alien movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, I think that casting was spot on there. 
Absolutely. There was a reason. Yeah. No, absolutely. This was probably this was probably the only one of the few things I've seen Robert Patrick in besides Terminator Two. Oh yeah. Believe it or not, I've not seen him on a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not always. Uh, yeah, I'm... Didn't he do like the final seasons of the X Files? He did. Yeah, I wasn't watching by then, but I knew he was. I knew he was a part of it. No, he was uh, the Mulder replacement when um, when the character had uh, departed the show for the short period of time that he did. Right. Yeah, I'm just looking through like some of his uh, filmography and stuff, and um, all the faculty I did watch once. Apparently, he was in that. Yeah, there's not a lot in here. He's in Lost, apparently, for an episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've not seen him much in anything, so it was real interesting. It was kind of fun to watch him. This is actually, I, guess, I think, the first film he did after Terminator 2. Wow, this is a long time ago. He actually worked. He works quite a bit. He did a couple, he did a cameo in Wayne's World. He did a couple of things, but yeah, this would have been his like, uh, first actual film mm-hmm. um, following that. It's an interesting choice. I, I one I could definitely see why he'd be interested in taking after Terminator Two, where he's pretty much has to be the, uh, well, he's a robot, quite literally, right. and so this one he gets to be a lot more emotive and uh, emotional. So it was nice seeing him like that, and he comes across. Do you get? Did you get the same feeling? He was like a proto uh, Norman Reedus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if Walking Dead was twenty was in nineteen nineties, this this is that, Daryl. <laughs> that's Daryl. Um, no, a- absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that you make that equivalency because um, until you mentioned it just now, because I hadn't looked up his filmography, I didn't realize he was the guy from Terminator. Really, you didn't know he was the. No, I really didn't, because, I mean, in, in Terminator, when he's playing the cop-slash-Terminator, he is just so clean-cut and and thin and and built, and the, the transformation into just this everyday guy uh, working a logging contract in the woods, uh, the, the scruff, the... He's not, he's not necessarily got any particular physique on him, completely blows me away that that's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just immediately, that's where I go. When I hear Robert Patrick, I go, oh, T, he's the T-1000. That's where I would know him from, but I wouldn't have put the two and two together that that was the same guy. <laughs> I got to work on that. Yeah, I, I will admit that for just like a few split seconds uh, when the, the movie starts and everything, I mean, I knew his name. I recognized the name. Right. I knew who was in it. But for those first few just those split seconds before your brain really connects. I'm watching the movie and going, well, he seems familiar. <laughs> DB Sweeney's the kind of the kind of bounces back and forth. I, I, I would say that Robert Patrick is the star, although DB Sweeney, I think is typically kind of credited as the star, but I, I think this is really Robert Patrick's movie. Oh, de- it's definitely Robert Patrick's movie, but yeah, I get, get that uh, since all things revolve around Travis, but uh, in the long and short of it, Travis isn't in the movie that much. No, not really. <laughs> I think maybe D.B. Sweeney kind of gets the, 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 the credit because he may have been a, a little more well-known. Uh, he was in the film The Cutting Edge, which is a very popular film that, that was, just, mm-hmm. that was uh, just, a, just a year prior to this. So I think that might be why 
he may have just been a uh, a name he, he was in the people movie thought the spell yeah a few years before that so yeah no that he he's the name mm-hmm. yeah Robert Patrick probably other than Terminator Two it still wasn't like household name kind of thing not that I really think right. DB Sweeney was ever the household name but it might have been a, a recognizable face uh, and name a little bit more so the to have in the film. Well, not to mention, when you're the baddie in another film, uh, that doesn't put you in the lead role. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because you would tune in expecting him to be the bad guy. Oh, is he going to be the alien? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But, uh, and we'll get into the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Now, this film was actually, it's another it's two in a row now that was actually not a flop. <laughs> It wasn't exactly a success either. Uh, the estimated budget was about $15 million and it grossed just under twenty. So it made its money back with a little extra. Yep. Uh, so not too bad. But you could definitely see where this was not a... The I think it came out actually in March, I believe, of 93. It was an earlier release. But you could definitely see yeah. where this was not going to be the summer blockbuster. No, it didn't have that, and uh, it, it feels a little more like an independent film than. Uh, yeah, a little bit actually. It ties on a little bit better to Alien Addiction than I thought. Really, <laughs> it, it really kind of does. I mean, I get that it came out of a big production house, but uh, but it did have more of that indie fe- uh, indie feel about it. Yeah, especially when James Gardner shows up, who is definitely yeah. like compared to everyone else on here. He's like he's old school. He's the he's a star. So you definitely get the feeling that, okay, this is like a little small budget, and we got James Garner for a day. <laughs> kind of thing. I can't not watch James Garner. Right, yeah. <laughs> Even though James Garner has actually, certainly by the time in this his career in the 90s, James Garner is James Garner. His role here is the same role you'll find him everywhere else. I mean, this is this is James Garner that's in Maverick. This is James Garner that's in the uh, the Rockford Files reunion movies. <laughs> it's just, this is James Garner that's in the, uh, what was the one where all the astronauts, they all went back into space? Space Cowboys or something like that. Space what? Cowboys. Yeah. It's James, it's James um, Garner. I, I like to think, too, uh, this is James Garner uh, in uh, Support Your Local Sheriff, only he's become <laughs> cynical. <laughs> Yeah, rather than taking everybody at their word, he doesn't take anybody's word for anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I mean, uh, even the way he played it, he, he, I, he, he was likable and friendly. He just didn't... Uh, he was folksy. <laughs> he was folksy. Yes. Um, but he, he added a fun element to that. Anytime he got on screen and he's talking to him, he just like, it's James Garner. <laughs> Now, I said I saw this film back in the mid-90s, probably. Up until watching it this time, I remembered nothing about this really? movie except <laughs> for the alien abduction stuff. That stuff, and if you want to, do you want to jump to that? I mean, because that is like, that is the sort of the, um, the tentpole of this movie. I mean, it is the... It is probably one of the most intense and disturbing scenes in a sci-fi film, if you want to call this a sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. And that's what sticks. That's what stuck in my head. I 
remembered nothing else about this movie except for what they portrayed uh, Travis Walton going through on board the alien craft. And, and we have to point out, uh, it's funny that you call it the tent pole uh, when this is the thing. This doesn't happen until almost the end of the film. Yeah, it's uh, true. The, the 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 actual sequence where you get to see supposedly what happened to Travis doesn't happen until the last like 15 minutes of the film. Um, and it is some of the most intense and very real um, feeling kind of uh, sci-fi horror, uh, I guess, if you're going to go for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... Everything about it, it's very, um, it puts you in that moment. It puts you there uh, as if this was a real thing that really happened. Uh, I love the the way they handled the aliens themselves. Like like the, the concept of uh, everybody that's been abducted is abducted by the greys. Right, the, um, the bulbous head with the big eyes, yeah. The big black glassy eyes on gray skin, smooth gray skin, and they went out of their way to point out those were suits. Yep, encounter suits or space suits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This was how they protected themselves from whatever it was that they were doing. So, and then to find what looks more like legitimate humanoids uh, are what wear those suits. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just essentially skinny old guys. Right. But the way that they move, the way that they behave, um, I was thrilled to no end that these weren't just grunting, <laughs> beastly things. Um, they moved with purpose. They looked uh, very serious right. as they were doing what they were doing. I feel like they, tre- they, they they based them and the way they acted on how a scientist would behave with a lab animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't be attached. It's it's just an object. It's not a, it's not a cat. It's not a rabbit. It's it's just an object. It's a tool for your experiment, and you just do what you need to do, get the work done, and just be completely emotionless and impassionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Everything was very clinical. Um, yeah. Just the the movements were. We got a job to do. We're trying to see what makes this thing. We don't know what this thing is. All it's doing is screaming and yelling at us, mm-hmm. um, which could very easily be the animal that you just took out of a cage. Um, so, yeah, the the way that it was done, um, that actually makes it resonate a lot more than if they were legitimately trying to scare you. Right. Well, <laughs> I do think that they are frightening because they make a point of the, they showing them like dragging him through the hallway mm-hmm. and they're dragging him. Just like as if they were dragging just a piece of garb, a bag of garbage, or something like that. They turn them, make them very villainous because they obviously have no regard to this person as being anything to care about. To they they that's it doesn't matter whether he's scared, whether this thing is scared. Maybe they don't even know he has. Maybe they don't have emotions. Maybe they don't know he has. He's capable of emotions. They make them very villainous just by their actions versus them actually... They don't have to, like, point a laser gun and kill anybody. It's them just treating him like flotsam. Yeah, their dispassion is the thing that makes you uh, disturbed by them. 
Um, and then since you pointed out the dragging him through the hallway, the various relics of things that uh, get kicked up as he goes through there because they've done this over and over yes, and over again. I like the, you, you get quick shots of just books and eyeglasses or whatever, but then there's that ever briefly lingering a little longer on like children's shoes. You're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't seem, they don't care who they take, when, or where. That's a, a director, Robert Lieberman. <laughs> Slow clap. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> way, way to freak us out even more. Yeah. Um, but no, and then the whole, uh, the very organic feel uh, of it all. It wasn't shiny stainless steel and plastic and all that uh like where the chamber that he's kept in in the first place is uh is very organic in nature and meant to preserve him while he's in that spot it felt um, very he, alien the mm-hmm. movie alien aliens yeah yes yeah the the use of the membranes for everything right. uh but I will admit, though, I, I do like that. I like the aesthetic. I like the sort of organic look of the of the ship and all the rooms and the hallways. But then it makes the actual, the tools they use mm-hmm. are suddenly very much like nuts and bolts and stainless steel. Yeah. And they seem real incongruous with everything else that's around them. It, they really make a stand out. I mean, when they do the whole... Um, <laughs> They literally like, look, I guess, uh, like uh, do the the drain snake down his throat, and that's exactly right. what it looks like. It's it's just a drain snake cord, and it's literally goes down to a bolt, and and like, what the hell is that? That <laughs> doesn't seem right. Yeah, it would have been more more interesting, and if it almost had a, a a more of like a bone kind of feel to it or something. Something, yeah. It just oh. it almost gave me the impression of like, are they trying to make it? Make it make us think that maybe this is like more terrestrial and not really alien, but everything else is obviously alien. He's obviously floating around in zero G. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely this is definitely alien, but then all the mechanics and all the tools they use feel very terrestrial. And that's that that I don't know I don't know why they did that or what they were going for there, but I feel like that's kind of like a real it, it's kind of a sticking point for me as being mm, that just it doesn't work. No, I can see that, and, and that's the part. Yeah, because I mean, even the chamber that he's kept in, it's everything about the that center column area where there were the uh, holding chambers. Uh, it was almost like Adobe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had a very earthen feel to it. Uh, right, and then of course the uh, organic membranes that they were keeping them in, and all that. But yeah, even the the hallway had a very earthen feel to it. And then yeah, you're right. The the getting to a bunch of uh, medical surgical equipment uh, did kind of sit a little different. But budgets. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe and that's maybe that's what it boils down to. And it, it wasn't even like like clinical surgical equipment it wasn't like shiny clean stainless steel it looked like it was covered in grease or something it was it looked old and dirty part of what the gross factor but uh very effective that when uh they did put the thing down his throat they essentially look like they're putting motor oil or uh, uh or uh 
packing grease for for for, yeah. for ball of bearings and stuff. Well, uh, you, if you're gonna shove a, a a drain snake down someone's throat, you want it to be well <laughs> lubricated. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, the the use of the uh, I I kind of want to know what that was. <laughs> it was probably just Since Jello. The, uh, I I I I hope so. Some sort of gelatin. For Evie Sweeney's sake. <laughs> They shoved that stuff down his throat. So, but yeah, no. Th- this is that one shining moment. The- this the uh, this is the thing that that whole film is leading up to. But I have to say, I genuinely like all the parts up to that point. Do you? I do. I love the the notion that um, they focused a little bit. Um, I, I could have done with more of the uh, the hows and whys and all that uh, of the alien thing, but I got a big kick out of the uh, idea that we're gonna if we're gonna try to say that this is based on a true story, let's tell the story that we know we can tell that would be true and that anyone could have knowledge of, which is is yeah uh, somebody goes out and gets abducted and he happened to be out on a work crew with a whole bunch of pe- people. What's happening to the people that came back without the guy? Yes, no, it's exactly. It's taking it from a point of view that you always wonder about when you watch any other film, that someone would suddenly disappear and go off to space, and you always wonder, wow, I wonder what his, wonder what his parents are going through. Imagine if we went back to Guardians of the Galaxy when... Uh... <laughs> When Star-Lord is taken away as a child after his mother died, and we have no idea what happened to that family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this explores that idea. Uh, somebody has been lifted out of the world, and, and we're... We're very much hung up on the, uh, the alien part, because that's the story that the guys can tell, but what does the rest of the world around him think of that? There was a... Um... An episode of Doctor Who, actually, in 2000, 2005. It was one when it first came. It was one in the first season uh, when it came back in two thousand five. You know, the Doctor comes to Earth. He gets a new companion. He takes Rose with him, and they disappear. Mm-hmm. And he goes off and travels through time. They do. They have some adventures, and she, he brings her back. And he says, "Ah, it's just. It's only been a. It's only been an hour since you left." Turns out, it's been a year. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of the episode revolves around the fact that her mother, her friends have all been looking for. Her. There's one. There's posters all over. Have you seen this girl? You know, it. It's one of the first times, only only the second time if you count this movie, where I where I can mm-hmm. think of that you really look into what happens to everybody else when your quote unquote hero disappears. Right. And and that's a fascinating tale unto itself, and I like I that's part of what I know. Everybody goes to watch this movie for that alien sequence, but I really do find I enjoy the uh, the drama. Um, one of the scenes that actually sticks out for me um, to this day is uh, when everyone is in the church talking about what happened, and Mike. Mike is there in the back and everyone is ready to lynch them. Right. They believe they've murdered their friend. And Mike is back there listening to this and finally has to say, what are you people saying? Right. 
days ago we were all friends, like this whole community was friends, and you're ready to kill us. Right, yeah, you, <laughs> now you suddenly, on a turn of a dime, think I could actually... I, you, I helped raise your kids, you know, I, I helped you build your barns and, and, and do all this stuff, and, and you think I could suddenly turn on my best friend and kill him and, and hide the fact? This is what you think of me? <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is the man that's going to marry my sister and I'm starting a business with, and you think, right. oh, I love that dynamic. I love that, that that's what we explored in a lot of this, so... I, I did I did like that. I, I do wish that maybe we saw a little bit more of Travis after he returns. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a lot of shorthand after that. It's he's sort of he comes back and I mean they he can't even stand being touched when they first find him uh, for right. obvious reasons. I mean the guy has effectively been tortured. There's no other mm-hmm. way to say it. And then we see him you know, starting to recover in the hospital. I, I like that moment between um, Travis and Mike where Mike, you know, I went back for you like, wait, you had to come back. You know, you, you left me there. You know, that moment was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that was, I think that was a great moment. But then, you know, he's, he's kind of like, sleepwalking through the town through the the events up to his final sort of breakdown at the uh, the birthday party or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then that's when bam you see the flashback and you see what he went through and then after that it flash forwards like two years and he's just a normal well-adjusted person again and he's got t- he's got a kid and he's got another one on the way he's married the one you know the 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 guy's sister I kind of actually would have liked to have seen a little bit more of his recovery. So I kind of wish the, I wish they had spaced things out a little bit differently. I like all the lead up, and I and I like seeing that we actually get to see what happened. But I would have liked to have kind of had a. It feels like it, it's climbing the hill, and then it's just a plateau. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have liked to have seen maybe an actual go up a hill and then let you ease back down. Well, yeah, because we were on to uh, quite a bit of drama right there at the beginning, and we, I, I think we were at the height of some drama uh, when we have the uh, reoccurrence, and I don't think it ends there. Uh, I mean, he can't possibly have that episode and have things just be okay the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, now I feel better, you know. <laughs> right. It's like you got you got the stomach ache and you think you're gonna die. Oh, and you finally get up, you get finally get sick to your stomach, and oh, I feel better now. No, it's not like that. <laughs> I took a couple tums. Um, I feel fine. And while they kind of gave you a way into uh, Mike's departure from the world around him uh, when uh, Travis goes off on him in in the bed, that basically you left me. And in that moment, why would he have uh, reacted any differently that when he found out that they climbed back in the truck and left? Um, I, I get I totally get that in that moment. But uh, what did Mike also didn't just depart right then and there necessarily? Right. Yeah, you can't tell me that that was his last attempt, and only attempt to try to, you know, smooth things over. And reconnect with his family. I mean, he's losing his family over this. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see more of what where that all went 
and then you can ease into the okay two years later and he wants to try again with mike now that uh the the we didn't get to see the incident that actually causes them all to go in separate directions right right so yeah i i don't know maybe maybe filmmakers maybe people that are smarter than us look at that and think (laughs) well that would be boring you know but if you're going to have the movie called Fire in the Sky and say it's about alien abduction, well, then maybe the first two-thirds of your movie shouldn't be about all this, you know, this <laughs> interplay drama between these people. <laughs> you right. Know? So. Yeah, I got that. And that's what I'm saying is that part of what I liked is actually that opening drama, the interplay between the characters in this town and all of that. And we had the big reveal of what happened to him while he's on board and then it was over. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, that's what I mean. You have this, you have this great kind of build up, build up, build up, build up and a cliff is really what it is after that. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I mean, then two years later, you all go hang out by where it happened and agree that we don't like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then everybody's okay again. We're all good. And we can joke about it and ha, 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 let's go get a beer. Wait, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Oh, and then, of course, Travis is like, they're never coming back. I'm like, base that off of what? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they liked me. Ha, 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 ha. And and while that's a cute line, uh, he got drugged through debris of other people that they have obviously come and gotten. Yeah, Yeah, you were the lucky one, apparently, they got returned. Uh, you you did fly into somebody's guts, <laughs> desiccated body. Yeah, I, I was just about to get to that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, you fell into somebody's abdomen. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I'm glad that we actually, they gave us effectively the payoff of actually seeing what happened supposedly mm-hmm. on board the ship. I think a lesser film would have gotten into a lot more of why the aliens were doing what and what all the each, the experiments. I mean, you did have uh, you know the DB Sweeney or uh, DB Travis, you know, when he's floating mm-hmm. and he sees the alien suits, and he actually says spacesuits, and that, that's kind of like, oh, in case you're stupid, we're going to make sure you understand <laughs> what what's what's happening here. Um, you didn't need that line, but apparently that, that no, was... No, I would have been happy to have that line not be there. Yeah, exactly. And I think they could have easily taken that even further and had, like, you know, for some odd reason, have it in English or <laughs> have it in alien language and English or something. and like, Or have him say, oh, my God, they must, you know, seen what happens running an experiment on this. They didn't do that, and I'm glad, but I think... They could have easily done it. I've, I've, I'm pretty sure we've both seen movies where they've done that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it immediately takes you out of that. This goes into the, if you want to make this real, and this is the part that was effective about that sequence anyways, if you want to make this real, you, we, the audience, we human beings, can't possibly conceive of what it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Because... We are not on their level. We right. are not. We are not them. We can't understand them. We have no connection to make that that distinction. That's like us trying. It's like when we uh, hypothesize what a a gerbil is thinking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like you can't know it, uh, and the gerbil can't know what the heck we're we're on about. Exactly. So. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I loved... Could have done without the spacesuit thing. That was a little too explanatory. I think we got it. Mm. Um, and I'd probably, and I don't even know if that was really legitimate. If that's what, what if anyone was in that situation, if we'd sit there and talk to ourselves and go, oh, these are spacesuits. No, I think it'd probably response would be, what the hell? Yeah, if they said anything at all, it's like, what? Right. I mean, this guy is terrified out of his mind. He literally just floated around a chamber after climbing out of goo and out of somebody's stomach um, when he crashes into it. And the next chamber he's in, that's when he wants to rationally right. <laughs> reason what he's seeing. I'm like, no, his his mind is all over the place at this point. I, uh, rational thought doesn't exist at the moment. Now, there is something about this film that drove me insane. And I absolutely hated it. The music in this film... <laughs> is ridiculously awful. It's a little all over the map. It's oh my god. The 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 incidental music when things are they're just you know someone's driving through the town and it's this weird little I don't know electronic bell noise. It it's the kind of music that you would have watching an old episode of like Macmillan and Wife or something. This belongs in Columbo or 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 some seventies drama, not Fire in the Sky. It was awful. The one exception to that is I did like their creepy tone music, but I always found they used it in the wrong spot. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. It's the maybe you're calling it the creepy tone music, but yeah, it was like oh, I'm pulling up to the the hotel or to the motel. I'm playing this weird music, and it's this like, ching, ching, doo, 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 ching, ching. What is that? Why is it there? It was awful. Uh, maybe we are talking about the same thing. I liked that, uh, I, but they never put it in the right spot. Like, like you're talking about, this would be like when they're pulling up to, like when Mike's pulling into that hotel, they're doing that, and like, but you didn't play it while you were out in the woods where the creepy stuff would have played better. See, I didn't even <laughs> connect it as being like creepy music because they always used it in moments that were just completely mundane. No, and I'm completely with you on that. They It, it seemed a little disjointed in where they would choose to put what. <laughs> so I guess the, the score, I guess, is probably the, would, would be the proper term for what I do sure, not the like. Score. <laughs> I hated it. it. It pulled me out every time. I was like, oh, God, stop that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help but giggle the when you had posted that online. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. This isn't known for its music. No, no. <laughs> the score was not fantastic. Uh, the musical score was composed and arranged by Mark Isham. And apparently they did release the soundtrack on compact disc. I wonder if, anybody's, wonder if anybody's got that. I have bought the, more than my fair share of uh, musical scores and soundtracks over the years. I can honestly say this wasn't one that I was seeking out. Yeah, apparently uh, Mark Isham is a... He's known for a uh, for his synthesized electronica kind of nah. music. Uh, he's done some other soundtracks and stuff. Wondering if they're as incongruous to the film as this one is, though. <laughs> the Hitcher, Point Break of Mice and Men, uh, Blade. He did the soundtrack to Blade. I don't remember anything really standing out in Blade. Yeah, because I don't know from the score much. I mean, I can picture the pop music that was uh, used. Sure. 
in it, like during the uh, the blood dance scene at, toward the beginning of the movie. Right, right. No, so there is uh, definitely some really good strength in this film. The cinematography we think is great. The directing we think is great. I think the performances were pretty solid too. Performances I thought were were, were fine. Um, James Garner, like we said, is just folksy yeah. James Garner. So take that as you will. Well, and Noble Willingham. Oh, good old Noble Willingham. That's funny that his name came up. I just heard them talking over on a Classic Horrors Club podcast because he showed up in a film that they were reviewing. Um, and he's just a character actor that goes back all the way, my God, forever. Uh, you've yeah. seen him pop up in tons of westerns and a lot, lots of made-for-TV movies and stuff like that. A guy you might recognize if you've watched enough films. <laughs> no, absolutely. And uh, he usually seems to always be like the town sheriff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was perfectly cast because that's exactly what he needed to be. And yeah, no, he was great. I liked it. Uh, everyone else is kind of uh, cookie cutter. I mean, there was D.B. Sweeney and Robert Patrick are really the two ones that have to do the most acting. Mm-hmm. Everyone else could have been just about anybody. Well, we've already talked about Henry Thomas, and I think he was cast because he's Henry Thomas, because he was an E.T. Yeah, and yeah, all he had to do is be the scared, ske- sketchy kid. Exactly. So yeah, anything else you wanted to talk about the film before we move on to some of the social media comments? We do actually have quite a few today. Um, no, uh, let, let's get straight into those because I think we covered most of it. I mean, this is a simple film. Uh, you, you, there, I think there's a lot to like. There's things that miss. Oh, we should um, probably talk about and maybe talk about some of the reviews of the time before we go into the social media. Certainly, let's do that. I'm, I'm really digging this segment. So. Yeah, it can be a lot of fun. Well, our good friend Roger Ebert, of course, has always has something to say about the films that we cover. He gave it three and a half stars, so three and a half out of five, which, for me personally, I would probably put it right about there. I'm actually seeing it as two and a half. You're seeing it as two and a half? I saw it as three and a half. Really? Mm -hmm. Weird. I'm on Roger Ebert's site. Yeah, doesn't it say say three and a half? No, right under the thing, it's two and a half stars. Oh, my mistake. All right. Well, Roger Ebert. All good. Two and a half. Well, I would rate it a little higher than two and a half. I would give it at least a three. Yeah. Says Fire in the Sky tells another one of those stories about an innocent human victim who was abducted into an alien spacecraft and subjected to bizarre medical experiments before he dumped back before being dumped back to Earth. The movie begins with the ominous words, This is a true story, which is almost a war- almost always a warning that it would have been better if it hadn't been. Later we learn that the key participants all pass lie detector tests. Well hey, that's good enough for me. <laughs> He says the scenes inside the craft are really very good. They convincingly depict a reality I haven't seen in the movies before, and for once I did believe that I was seeing something truly alien, and not just a decorator's daydream. Science fiction and special effects fans may find these scenes worth the ticket price, but the movie's flaw is that there's not enough detail about the aliens, and the movie ends up on an inconclusive inconclusive and frustrating note. I found that an interesting paragraph there, because he's actually pretty much saying just the opposite <laughs> he's both saying the opposite he's agreeing and disagreeing with some of the stuff that we just said yeah i know because uh that's actually uh, i i have to disagree with them because i think uh less is more in this case absolutely 
It says, watching fire in the sky, I was reminded of a famous old journalism story. It says, sent to cover the Johnston flood, reporter Bob Considine, Considine began his story, God stood on a mountaintop here today and surveyed the damage that his floodwaters had wrought. His editors cabled him, forget the flood, interview God. <laughs> in the case of fire in the sky, my advice to the filmmakers would be, Forget the five pals and their problems. Spend more time with Travis Walton inside the spaceship. I really disagree with that. That's what I was just saying. That would have really brought this film down to just being B-movie quality. It, it really would have. Uh, I mean, not to keep uh, using the less is more, but I mean, the, the idea that we can't know what they are up to. Um, so I no amount of time on there, it would have to become, if you wanted to do that effectively it would just become laborsome to keep watching them torture him with him knowing nothing about what they want. Because the first minute you give us some inclination that we can know what they want will ruin the whole thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to keep him alien. And if you spent a lot of time, if you made the whole film about him and his ordeal, the whole five days... It'd be a very different film, but there would be too many... It would feel like there'd be too many callbacks to any film about a prisoner of war. And there'd mm -hmm. be the... You'd, you'd end up with the uh, the one guard that's a little friendlier than the other guards. Or maybe he, gives them, he slips them in a piece of chocolate or you know things like that. And you'd, get, you'd have the good cap, cop, bad cop. It, all the tropes would just automatically and naturally sort of fall into that story. And one of the things I didn't say about that sequence earlier that uh, I, I did mention that they didn't make the aliens like grunt or do things. Uh, I like that they didn't speak at all. At no point did any of them say anything. So they didn't dumb it down by trying to make some weird version of a language that we couldn't know. Or we don't even know that they communicate by any kind of method like that. So as far as we know, they're telepathic. But the thing of it is, what makes it work is we don't know. They are completely alien to us. So yeah, he was not crazy. So he gave it a very mediocre <laughs> rating. I found another review from the Washington Post. Uh, staff mm -hmm. writer Reader Kempley says, writer Tracy Torme, who wrote six episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, commits dramatic Harry Carey by focusing on the domestic travails of the other loggers instead of Walton's visceral ones aboard ship. Same thing. They want... That's what kills me. These critics want a lesser film. <laughs> they they kind of do. Uh, I, well, I'm going to give them a little bit from the fact that that's... That segment of the movie was so effective, you you feel like you want more. But I, I, I I'm very solidly in the camp. No, you don't. Right. Yeah, I think I think your gut, your kind of like from the hip reaction is, no, I want to know more. But if you just give it a, if you think about it a few more minutes, you'll realize, no, that would be stupid. <laughs> it really does. You're gonna ruin it. You're, you'll you'll ruin the moment. I think they did just the right amount with that. I, I love how effect. That's why you. That's why the, That's the part that you remember. It's part of the what drives me to watch the movie over again. Is it's such an effective scene? 
but we don't get enough information because you can't. You won't know it. She went on later in her review, said that Sweeney, the lovesick skater in The Cutting Edge, and Patrick, the shape-shifting killer in Terminator 2, don't so much act as maintain a decaying orbit. The human characters, perhaps they're ordinary as dirt and about as bright as tree stumps, don't change or control their fates. Things happen to them. Essentially, this is a film about humans as victims of alien abuse, a mediocre look at helplessness. Really disparaging review on that one. And I can't agree with her at all. I, I think as far as acting goes, I think they did a pretty good job. The only thing where I give her a little room is... Um like, D.B. Sweeney did a great job as Travis. Um, Robert Patrick did a great job as Mike. When Mike and Travis are together at the beginning and you're supposed to believe they're friends, something, it, something's supposedly up in the relationship, but they don't seem to gel together. They don't seem like buddies. Yeah, um. no, that's true. They do feel like they're people that they work together and one's got an idea and he knows that this guy can help him with this idea and he keeps trying to push this idea but there's nothing there that says they've had this idea since high school or anything right although yes although mike is supposedly going through some some serious marital problems so mm -hmm. we're seeing him kind of not himself he's on edge he's not we we never see him pre this moment i don't know if that's effective or not I, I, I can, I can kind of, as I'm thinking this through out loud, the fact that we're seeing them at a point where maybe they're there as friends are in a point of contention helps to feed the idea that um, when, when um, Travis disappears, maybe they could be believed to have killed their friend. Yeah, possibly. Things aren't right. Mm-hmm. Mike's under stress. Uh, thing uh, his his buddy's gonna trying to marry his his sister, um, but he's kind of he's got his heads in the clouds and he's not quite right. They're not gelling as the friends that maybe they once were. Yeah, but I um, still so I wouldn't say that. I'd say if Mike was gonna kill anybody, it'd probably be at, at this point in his life. I think you would suspect him to be you know aiming for his wife. Than, than his best friend. Not that she's doing white. anything bad. She's trying to be the responsible adult, you know, and honestly, so is he. It's just life's dealt him a really shitty hand at the moment, and he's doing the best he can. Uh, to which, uh, actually, um, I don't want to come off, uh, I don't want to come off on the wrong side of this, but she's kind of, I, I could see why he'd be going crazy. Yeah. Because, she is not empathetic to what's going on with him at all. No, she comes across <laughs> as a bit of a nag. Because a he's bit. obviously he's he's trying to work. He's 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 trying to work. He's they they've got this contract. They know that once they get paid for this contract, they can pay, you know, off pay off or pay off some of this debt that it, they they apparently owe. And all she does is like, "Well, what am I going to tell the mortgage company when they call again?" I'm doing what do you, what do you want me to do? I can't make money, you know. <laughs> Blood from a stone, lady. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> working. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm I'm on some harebrained idea. You know, he hasn't gone on to create the bike shop with his friend, which is what he wants to do. He's right. working. 
to the point where he's telling his friend, grow up, because uh, while that's a that's a heck of an idea, we aren't going to get there because I can't keep my house yeah. right now. I can barely keep my truck running. Right. And what a truck that was, too. Okay, well, I did throw out that we were going to watch this one on the social medias, and it's always interesting which ones we get lots of comments on and which ones we don't. It's always the right. opposite. The, uh, the ones I think that everyone's going to like, oh, every, people are going to like, no, no nothing. The, the, the <laughs> <laughs> this one, yeah, lots of, lots of people have their opinions on this one. So what do we got? <laughs> so over on Facebook, uh, Adam Lewis says that he loved it when it came out, but I haven't seen it in many years. The one thing I remember from it is where it got really freaky on the alien ship. Few movies could get the hairs that used to be on top of my head to stand up like that. Event Horizon had a few scenes that freaky. That, so it was Event Horizon and Fire in the Sky. Well, uh... <laughs> the, the, those are his touch points. <laughs> Billy Flynn says that he remembers it being an interesting film. The abduction sequence was quite effective. There's a theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scott Sachs says he won't lie. This movie gave me the heebie-jeebies. I was scared and freaked out after that alien abduction. Yeah, but that's my buddy that likes Flesh Gordon, too. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Worst says he really dug it. Aside from Travis Walton, the other buddies aren't very well developed, but I really like D.B. Sweeney's performance. The flashback scene is terrifying. Movies like this and Communion petrified me as a kid because they were, quote-unquote, based on a true story. I'm hoping Scream Factory will put out a special edition of this one. Hmm. Pete Quint says, I saw this for the first time a few months ago. It's surprisingly good. And over on Twitter, we just got a couple. Uh, at I used to watch this. I really liked it when it came out. I saw it in the theaters and was really into those kind of stories back then. Plus, you had James Garner in it. <laughs> I do wish there were more alien stuff, but it made for a good story to have less of that. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. I think you just, mm-hmm. you just in two sentences, he <laughs> summed up what we took an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not everybody can be as concise. <laughs> <laughs> At Cage's Kiss said they saw it in the theater as a child, and it traumatized me. But I met the real Travis, and apparently it wasn't very accurate. Still, it's entertaining as hell, and he's a lovely person to, to chat with. So th- I think nice. that's very cool. I actually got to meet uh, Travis Walton at a, uh, at a some sort of convention or something like that. That's pretty that, slick. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. He has not, uh, nah. not made it around to any of my uh, cons <laughs> that, that I know. Can't, can't imagine why. Um, I, I haven't read his book. I, I almost kind of want to just get his scenario on what happened well there's brief synopsises about it that i've saw online his experience is pretty much he wakes up and he kind of panics a little bit and he's like you know uh facing off against these these alien dudes and they take him into another room ask him to lie down on a bed he they put a mask on his face and then he wakes up in a field Mm. (laughs) that's not exactly, you know, the kind of event that's going to get butts in the seat. In which case, they can give the movie some credit for uh, expanding on the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even those come from supposedly sometime after he returned and after some like uh, hypnotic therapy, like regression therapy. Mm-hmm. And there are many critics that say that 
what he comes up with, he actually came up with after there was other stories about alien abduction had come out. And so saying that maybe even if subconsciously he may be using those stories and then putting them into his own memories. So, yeah, but there's always going to be the believers and the skeptics on things like this. So very, very true. Whether you choose to believe Travis's uh, story or not, uh, the fact that uh, you can feed a film from somebody's at least perspective on what happened to him, I I still kind of dig those things. Apparently, he makes a cameo in the film. Does he? He's in the uh, the town hall meeting there in the church. Oh, that that would make sense. That'd be a perfect place to to put somebody in. I want to say the uh, Mike, the actual, the real Mike. If that was his real name, I don't. I don't remember. I think he supposedly makes an appearance as well, but I don't. Don't quote me on that. I guess, but I do know that Travis Walton does make an appearance uh, in the film. I was, uh, yeah. Now you got me uh, kind of uh, perusing the full list, but I don't know if they get credited. Right. Yeah. No. I. I doubt they do. I don't think they were uh, like speaking lines. They were just one of the many extras, you know, in in the pews. Still, that's a nice touch. I didn't know what he looked like, so I didn't know who to look for. There was a couple, just the way the the, the camera lingered on some people, I thought, hmm, that could be him. Oh, wait, <laughs> no, maybe that's him. <laughs> Playing where, where... Where's Walton? <laughs> yeah, where's Walton? <laughs> yeah, that's all the uh, social media comments that we got. No emails or anything like that. But uh, thank you, everybody, for commenting on the posts and, uh, and giving us your, your memories of the film. I, I think it's funny that almost all of them were like, yeah, I seem to remember it being pretty good, but I definitely remember the alien stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I take that, critics of 1993. I mean, <laughs> and I have to go back to the fact that they did, even the critics, they, they liked that part to the point where they wanted more. But I don't think they fully wrap their head around that is still memorable because it is the way that it is. Right. If you want it more, you could tune into you could tune into any number of uh, next gen episodes that were on at that time. I have, they they delved into that very thing on a couple occasions, and so if you wanted that, that's on tele- television. You don't why why go spend you know ten bucks the movie theater to see the same thing. <laughs> And since you brought up Next Generation, I I always have to laugh. Uh, since uh, Noble was in the in the film, I know him best and first uh, f- from his uh, appearance on a Next Generation episode of the Oh, that's right, the Royale. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was uh, like a oil man or something like that. Or? Yeah, he was one of the gamblers at yeah, the, the, yeah. the casino uh, called Texas. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea this film had so many um, next-gen uh, references, you know. Tie-ins. Yeah, connections. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it was kind of fun. So <laughs> since you brought it up, I threw it out. That, that, that was just a lot of fun. Every time I see him, I, I picture the guy that uh, Data's playing craps with. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get a chance. I, I should have. Um, I looked up. The, I, I didn't realize that the, uh, the Torme wrote a bunch of episodes i should have looked up to see which episodes that they that were written by this i know by the screenwriter but i did not all good i mean we can't go down every rabbit hole that's right (laughs) yeah no we already get these things pretty long now yeah yeah (laughs) we're in hour uh four of fire in the sky (laughs) 
considering some of the shows I listen to go into the three, two and three hour points, I've just given up caring. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep it as tight as I can. The edit. Everything's done in edit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's all I have to say about Fire in the Sky. It was fun to watch it again after all this time. It Again, a little bit like uh, the film we talked about not that long ago. It's 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 not the go-to for me. It's not like something that I want to just tune in and, and watch occasionally kind of thing. It's it's kind of like I, I saw it once and now I've seen it again and I'm I'm good. I mean, if I never watch it again, I don't think I'm going to regret that. I wouldn't not watch it again. But yeah, no, this is the same uh, as I, I did buy it on VHS. I watched it a number of times, but uh, it's one of those after a while. Um, I'm good. Uh, uh, I know the material. Uh, I can I can still picture me uh, like it isn't going to happen this weekend, but uh, I could picture a, a scenario where, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for an alien flick and... This might be one that I could pull out again. Sure. I, I that that's a very effective. I thought I I am compelled by the story, uh, the 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 almost murder mystery like quality of it at the beginning. So I could watch it again. Sure. And uh, being available on uh, Amazon Prime doesn't hurt. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> easy easy access to it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Tom. Always fun. Uh, thanks, everybody, for their comments. Like I said, if you have any other additional comments, please go to Facebook, uh, join the group there, and leave a comment, or send us an email at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. We actually do have a voicemail number, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Maybe you should dig that up. I, I was only reminded that we actually have it because I got a message, and I get the email, and the transcription was telling me about my car warranty was going to expire. <laughs> It's good to know that they find you even there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the funny bit is that I don't even remember the phone number, so I'm pretty sure I didn't give it to the car dealership. (laughs) Pretty sure. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. What are we watching next time? Uh, We have Signs up next. I've never seen it. This, no? This will be a first-time watch for me. It has been kind of like on the list, but always been down and kind of like at the bottom of the list. So, Well, as since I've joined the show, uh, we tend to kind of run on themes for a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. So Signs falls into that alien, uh, that, that more real-like alien uh, feel, not the uh, full-on invasion, the more personal experience so all right all right it's a little bit more of what everyone was uh asking for with the fire in the sky they wanted more aliens you know one-on-one with our with our db sweeney character so we're going to get a little bit more of that with signs maybe i'll leave it to you to find out (laughs) (laughs) we should also mention that tom and i are both going to be doing that this this year last year i did 31 nights of halloween every every day and or night of halloween I watched a sort of, you know, Halloween-themed movie or television show. Got all 31 of them. Tom and I are both going to be doing it. We've got we've picked out 31 films to to watch over the course of October, and we'll be coming to you at the end of the month, I guess, early November, with mm-hmm. our discussion on those films. We won't go into a, a deep discussion on all of them. Um, a few of them are just going to be yes, we watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, this should uh, should be a good time. Uh, we get to share the experience together. We can pick our favorites. We can throw out our worst. Yes. <laughs> um, and we'll have a good time uh, having a lot of extra fun with the month of October. Right. Uh, there's, it's, a, it's a pretty good mix of films, I think. There's a lot of films that we've both seen, but maybe not haven't mm-hmm. seen in a while. There's a mm-hmm. few that either one or the other has not seen. And then there's a few that neither of us has seen. Absolutely. So that should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. By the time this airs, I will probably go ahead and I'll take that list of films and post it in the Facebook group to give everyone kind of a heads up of what we'll be watching. Feel free to play along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want to tune in and send any comments or, or anything, you'll be able to post right there on the Facebook group, or you can you'll be able to send us an email if you've if you've seen any of the films or if you decide to watch any of those films during the month of October. You can email us and let us know what you think about them. And if any of you are uh, listeners that are involved in uh, car warranty, feel free to leave us a message because <laughs> apparently you have the number, we don't. <laughs> I know it ends in a 51, but yeah. (laughs) All right, that is going to do it. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Until uh, two weeks when we talk about signs, we'll say goodbye. So, bye. See ya.